Hey, this is James Rolfe, and you're listening to the Candare Podcast. everyone and welcome to another episode of Can Dare, your tribute to pop culture. I am Jeremy Colley. And I'm Randy Hardenberg. And returning to the show today to hang out and to uh, tell us all about his new autobiography, a movie-making nerd from Cinemassacre.com, the angry video game nerd himself, James Rolfe. James, thanks so much for being back, man. Yeah, well, thanks for having me back. Looking um, very much forward to today's episode. In our retro roundtable, we're going to be going around talking about some of our favorite autobiographical movies. And I'm, there's a lot of films I forgot about when I was researching for this retro, and I'm extra excited to hear what you guys uh, have on your list. But then after that, we're going to be talking with James all about a movie-making nerd. But before we do anything, don't forget to find us on Twitter at CandairPod and on Instagram at Canned underscore Air. And if you like the show, want to give us a little bit of your support, head over to CandairPodcast.com where there's a merch tab. You can get T-shirts, hats, stickers, all that fun stuff, and a Patreon page where uh, 5 to $10 a month gets you access to a hours upon hours of extra content we've been doing over the years. Randy, what else we got? Again, if you can't support us on Patreon, you know, any uh, like, uh, review, and uh, f- uh, rating on your podcast player of choice is always helpful. And again, shout out to evergreenpodcast.com uh, the network we're on and so happy to be a part of that's the truth they treat us pretty damn good over there don't they yes they do all right well i think that does it let's kick it off with this week's retro round table do it do it come on i'm here come on do it now oh my god grass tastes bad All right, Randy, why don't you show us how it's done, sir? All right. So my first pick for our uh, autobiographical films, um, and it's kind of fictionalized, I'm sure, but is The uh, Founder. Uh, I don't know if you guys have seen it. Oh, I love that movie. (laughs) So it's about the uh, about Ray Kroc, the kind of spearhead of McDonald's, and he's played by Michael Keaton which is just freaking hilarious because he pulls off kind of the the Ray Kroc asshole so well. (laughs) But uh, there's also uh, Nick Offerman in it who plays one of the McDonald brothers. And it's, it's kind of a lighthearted documentary uh, film, but yeah, it's just, it, it kind of goes into some detail and uh, it's just kind of the progression of, you know, Ray starting out meeting McDonald's brothers and then kind of building the empire. So it's a good watch. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But uh, yeah, it's it's got some other uh, actors, actors and actresses in it. I think the uh, actress that played uh, Ellie from Jurassic Park is also in it as Ray's first wife. Oh, Laura Dern. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. But yeah, it's a good watch. I believe it's streaming on Netflix right now. So it is. And it's a damn good watch. And, you know, like you said at the top of that, a lot of these movies take liberties, you know, to make the movie a little more entertaining. I doubt you're going to find one of these kind of films that's going to be spot on accurate all the way through. But I've heard that that one, the founder, is pretty darn close. Yeah, you know, at first, when you first said the title, I didn't remember it. But then as soon as you started describing it, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, that is. (laughs) (laughs) 
it's yeah. hard to believe that uh, there are people out there kind of like that. I mean, you know, it's double-sided coin. Like, yeah, it's kind of shitty what Ray Kroc uh, did to those guys, but at the same time, we wouldn't have McDonald's. There would be no McDonald's like there is today. Whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, I don't know, <laughs> but I seem to enjoy it sometimes. Yeah, yeah. All right, James, how about you, man? Oh, man. Well, I, th I think my, my all-time favorite is probably uh, Ed Wood when it comes to like, you know, movies that are like, uh, or like a bi biographical one, like, a, uh, you know, biopic. And like you mm -hmm. said, takes many liberties. It's <laughs> sort of one of those things where it's like, you know, it's not very accurate. It's sort of like in a Tim Burton world. It's very mm -hmm. surreal. And uh, things just happen in sort of like an unnatural way. It, like it kind of <laughs> doesn't really even exist in reality. But, um, but it definitely, uh, you know, pays tribute to Ed Wood and um, kind of gives him his, uh, his dues. He uh, kind of like didn't really see success during his life, but all his work is being celebrated like after his death. You know, if only he was around to see it today, you know, how uh, beloved he is. What, how old so, is that film? Uh, 94. So that would be, um, yeah, uh, do the math there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, about Just, uh, uh, 29 years old. Yeah, yeah. Coming up on 30 years. Wow. So that. That movie's always been on my radar, um, just because I'm a, like you, a huge fan of Plan Nine from Outer Space. Um, I, my son and I watched that not too long ago, and he was getting a kick out of it. But that movie does that span his whole career, or is it just kind of that that era of Plan Nine? Oh, just that era. It kind of okay. um, you know it shows Glenn or Glenda, Bride of okay. the Monster, and then it ends with Plan Nine being like his opus, and that's that's really like the best way to end it because yeah, you know, if you've seen any of his stuff after that, it's like. <laughs> I mean, Plan Nine was. <laughs> even yeah. they call it the worst film ever. It's Ed Wood's best movie. It's <laughs> it's I, I, it's so good. I mean, it's it so is. campy, and I just just from like the the police officer scratching his gun with the, or his head yeah. with the gun, and the freaking UFOs with the strings. Like it's it's a good watch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, there's just like lines of dialogue that are priceless and. It's one of those repeat watch movies. Like the more you see it, it just gets like in your head and it just gets yeah. funnier. funnier. <laughs> I'll have to see if that's on streaming. I've never seen that film. No, the original plan. Well, the, yeah, the original plan nine. There is, there is a remake. I, I was in actually. <laughs> oh, no shit. Really? Oh yeah. Yeah. That was in uh let's see. When, did, when was that? Like early uh, 2010s. Like I was okay. like 2011 or 12 was when I filmed it or when I went, when my scenes were filmed. That's um, freaking sweet. Yeah, Check yeah. That out. Yeah, I didn't know that even happened. That's awesome. Yeah, so people are always paying tribute to Ed Wood and uh, even discovering a lot of his work. You know, that's been like, I mean, literally discovering, like, they find lost Ed Wood films all the time now. So it's like, like to this day, career. really? Yeah, yeah. Like, his entire career is almost happening, like, after death. So such a crazy thing, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's a great uh, yeah. Ed Wood, the, the the Tim Burton film is is really great. I mean, that's one of my favorites. I actually just recently I watched The Fablemans. It's like really fresh in my mind. Like I just saw it, which is sort of semi autobiographical. Uh, Spielberg. Uh, have you seen that one? No. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, it's pretty good. It's really worth uh, seeing. Yeah, I mean, I would I would describe it, but I just like you know, I would just say just go see it. It speaks for itself. But uh, <laughs> fair it's enough. More of a yeah, it's more like a family drama. But filmmaking has a, an aspect in it of how it affects everybody and how it, you know, it relates to everything that's going on in his family. Like, I, I don't know how much of it uh, Spielberg actually went through, 
but it's from what I understand, it's like, you know, it, it's semi autobiographical. Okay. That's the one that just came out, right? Yeah. It came out like last, uh, December or like late last year. I'm going to have to, is that on streaming? Do you know? Yeah, it just came out. I think I think I watched on uh, Amazon Prime. I will be watching. I mean, that. I don't know if it's. I think you have to rent it, but yeah, it, it's on there. It looked good from the trailer, so I'm interested to see it. But yeah. yeah, like you said, how much of it's accurate? How much of it's just uh, liberties? All the same, though, it looks awesome. Mm -hmm. uh, <clears throat> my pick's going to have to be. Have you guys seen Steve Jobs, the Michael Fassbender uh, Steve Jobs film? I oh, have, yeah. and I've also seen the Ashton Kutcher one, and. I have a feeling you and I are going to get into it, but go ahead. <laughs> well, I mean, I enjoyed both films, but the one with Michael Fassbender, Kate Winslet, Jeff Daniels, and Seth Rogen was by far my favorite. Like uh, James was saying, that was a you know multiple watch kind of a film. I mm -hmm. adored it, especially Michael Fassbender and Jeff Daniels' dialogue together. It was just so freaking good. Um, but again, I've heard a lot of liberties were taken <laughs> with that story. A lot of it happened out of order and stuff like that. I almost threw the uh, the same well the uh, the Ashton Kutcher one Jobs on on my list. Um, and it's kind of the same for me. Um, I I think I've heard that the one with Fastbender's more accurate as far as his Is that portrayal right? of Jobs, but I don't know. I just like the Ashton Kutcher one just for the the whole plot and just kind of the uh, it's through his old life, and I think the Fastbender is more condensed into like a specific. Keeps Period. jumping around through time to like different uh, big moments in his life, of his career. But um, again, you know, what's Wozniak? What's his first name? I can't remember. Steve. I think it's Steve Is Wozniak. It? I can't yeah. remember. But they, I saw an interview with him after the movie came out. And he goes, yeah, a lot of this stuff happened, but definitely not like this. And definitely <laughs> not at this point in time. But still a damn good movie. I, I would watch it a third time. I really would. Hmm, I'll have to check that out. It's it's awesome. Uh, Randy, what do you got? So my next pick, it's kind of like a gray area because it's it's more like a, a sports autobiography type thing. But uh, and not really. It's fictionalized, but a uh, league of their own with uh, Tom Hanks, Gina Davis and uh, Madonna and Rosie O'Donnell. Oh, wow. Which talks about the uh, women's baseball league uh, during World War Two. And um, it's one of those movies that my wife and I quote to our kids all the time. Um, there's a scene where uh, like, what the Tom hell Hanks... are you talking about, Dad? <laughs> Tom Hanks is the coach, and um, there's a scene where one of the girls gets, I think, hit or gets yelled at or something, and she starts crying. And Tom Hanks just goes, "There's no crying in baseball," just over and over. And uh, yeah, it's it's a very comedic take on kind of that whole period, but it's it's awesome. If you guys haven't seen it, check it out. Definitely aware oh, cool. of. I remember when that came out. I don't think I've ever seen it, but I, I remember the trailers and everything. It, it's yeah. a good watch, and it, I mean, I think that was like early '90s that came out. But uh, yeah, Tom like Hanks that. is just—it's—it's it's classic Tom Hanks in it. Oh, Tom cool. Hanks is always—he's yeah, always good. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> always classic. Yeah, man, there's a lot of them I haven't thought of. Yeah, because um, like there's some things that you you uh, don't think at first is like a biopic in any way, um, but. Sometimes they're kind of loosely inspired by something that really happened or, right. you know, my favorites always tend to be uh, the filmmaking ones, as you can tell. Uh, there's, another, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> there's, another, there's another really good one that that's like almost up there with Ed Wood, uh, Disaster Artist. Oh, um, I saw that in the theater. Yeah. 
Oh, cool. Yeah, it came out like a few years ago or so. Um, man, that's funny. That's yeah. funny stuff. Crazy stuff, too. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, that one, which is about uh, Tommy uh, Wiseau or Wiseau. Yeah. Uh, okay, okay. It was James Franco, right? Yeah, James Franco plays uh, Tommy Wiseau, and um, it's it's basically about the making of The Room, which is, okay. you know, modern cult films. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Truly ridiculous movie that no nobody can really describe or make sense of. Um, <laughs> but he's tearing my heart out, Lisa. Yeah, yeah. Um, you ever see it live? You, you see the room with Tommy Wiseau in person? Just the movie itself. I've never like been to an actual screening of it. No, the live screenings are hilarious because uh, he does a Q and A and he he doesn't answer any question. He just follows it up with some. <laughs> like ridiculous you know um comeback <laughs> yeah it's so funny i mean the movie itself i wouldn't recommend unless you're like watching it with a crowd or something but the, but disaster artist is is incredible i mean that's a great uh telling of the making of the film yeah it is there was always like a big yeah. mystery as to how he got all the money to even make that movie happen was that ever like answered or established did they ever figure out where his money came from no, I don't think so. And even in the the movie, uh, they uh, they address that how like yeah. they don't know where his money comes from, and he just uh, buys all his equipment. He doesn't rent anything, and he just just throws money at everything, and nobody knows you know where you know it all came from. Uh, and like they also like address they don't even know where he's from. Um, he kind of like well, he tells everybody he's from New Orleans. But his accent doesn't sound anything no. like New Orleans. <laughs> <laughs> He's not from New Orleans. <laughs> it's just such an interesting character. You can't, the thing is, you can't ever tell if he's like joking or if it's like, this is like a, you know, a character he's playing or he's putting on a uh, performance. It's, you just can't tell. And that's what makes it so, so fascinating. I love it when actors do that. Um, shit, who was that that, uh, Joaquin Phoenix, when he appeared on Letterman and kind of that, those glasses oh. and the, uh, and just totally, I think it, I think he was in character for a movie, if I remember right. Or his oh, next. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember yeah. what it was called, but yeah, it was him. And wasn't it like uh, Casey Affleck did the movie? Maybe. I just remember the Letterman and just how like totally just off the wall that interview was. There's certain celebrities where you don't really know what the, <laughs> like, yeah. you, you can't tell who the real person is. Like I know, like uh, <laughs> yeah, like I think of uh, probably the most famous example that I could think of in like recent history was Robin Williams, where mm. every talk show, every time he ever appeared, he was always kind of like doing impressions and he was in character all the time. Mm -hmm. Going back even further, uh, Jonathan Winters was a lot like he was kind of like the original Robin Williams, same mm -hmm. way, just always doing voices and like you, you never really got to see who the real guy was. And then there's people who are really weird, like uh, Crispin Glover. Like, oh, my God. Yes. Yeah. I, I've seen him live before. I'll, I'll never forget it. Did you um, really? What was the what was the circumstance there? It was weird, man. It was really weird. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was at uh, the Monster Mania convention in uh, Cherry Hill, New Jersey. Um, and he 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 did like a a live basically like a performance. He did like he showed his totally bizarre film, and he did like some kind of slideshow thing where he kind of like performed in front of it. Then he did a Q and A, and I just remember everything down to the Q and A. Like I could never tell. Like is he for real? Like yeah. I don't know. 
<laughs> I believe that. I'm sure you've seen the clowny clown clown video he did. Yeah, yeah. That's some weird shit. That's like nightmare fuel right there. Yeah. Yeah, he's just, yeah, he definitely is one of those people you can never, like, is this guy for fucking real? And I've never even seen him live, just, like, interviews. Did you ever see that old interview he did on Letterman, like, when uh, Letterman was just starting, and he came onto the show wearing, like, a long wig, and he had a big, like, uh, window box full of insects, and, like, everyone kept <laughs> laughing at him. He's like, why are you laughing? Yeah, I forgot about that. Holy I shit. one where he had, like, uh, it was, like, these really big shoes like these like platform or like high heel shoes yes like, um i forget what else he was wearing but there was like a whole get up that you know but it wasn't so much like what he wore but it, it was kind of like just the way he acted like where every question or every nothing was ever answered like seriously it was right it, it was just strange you know <laughs> but where you couldn't tell if like okay this is this is a gag this is a, a performance it kind of seemed like it was just so in the moment that it, it it was almost like this is this is the real thing. Sure. It makes me think of like Andy Kaufman because he was kind of mm. the same way. But then there was a point typically, not always, but typically where you could be like, OK, he's just fucking around. And this guy, yeah, <laughs> you could not get a read on him. Even all these years later, no, you can't get a read on him. You can't get a read on him. Yeah, that's the best way to put it. Um, Jim Carrey, like you kind of understand what he does, like. He's like, I'm going to play Andy Kaufman. I'm going to go all the way with it. So mm -hmm. on set, he would just be full Andy Kaufman, like the mm -hmm. whole time. And that's that's him. That's his his method. But you kind of know where he's coming from with it, at least. Right. Um, yeah. Another one I'm going to have to rewatch. Oh, uh, Man in the Moon? Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. Love that movie. And then there was the docu documentary about the making of it, which um, yeah. you were just referencing there. Him and Andy. Yeah, yeah, which yeah. which was good. There were parts of it that kind of had me scratching my head. Like when they talked to Jerry Lawler and like <laughs> because Jim Carrey was just assaulting him like the second he arrived and he's like, you yeah. know, Andy didn't really do that. We were pals. So, yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> There's a little thing called K-Fabe -fabe there, Mr. Carrey. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he definitely took it too far. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no doubt. And I think he wasn't really... um. I can't think of any other movie he did before that where he played a real person because, like, usually it was like a character, so it was all like imagination. But You're this right. was one where he was like going back to uh, any evidence he could find, any recording of Andy Kaufman, like just anything, to, and just got himself into that mindset where I'm Andy Kaufman, and he never got out of it for the duration of that production. Yeah. There's another film, not that I really want to spend too much time on it, uh, that's very popular right now, the Elvis film. And from what I'm understanding is uh, Austin Butler, even long after the production, he isn't losing his Elvis voice. He's kind of staying in that character. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Like any interview you see, he still sounds just like Elvis. So seems like it's there to stay with him. Oh, it's permanent now. <laughs> yeah. It's not going away. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I, all these actors have different methods and it's, it's interesting. It definitely I can't. Is. I can't imagine the uh, the amount of work and stuff that actors put themselves through to portray mu musicians. I think of uh, Rami Malek uh, in Bohemian Rhapsody, just being mm. Freddie Mercury, and just watching tape after tape and trying to lip sync that. I, I've watched videos where they do a, a side by side of uh, the Band Aid concert, and it's freaking crazy because he's got that yeah. shit nailed down. It's almost wow. like shot for shot. Yeah, it yeah. really is. That that was a good movie too. 
Yeah. I wish they make more uh, like rock band uh, biopics. We, we might see something like that later. Well, they did uh, The Dirt off of the, the Motley Crue book, like stuff like that. I, I feel like they might start doing it um, like soon. I feel like some of that stuff is going to start coming because I don't know, like like maybe it's like after their lifetime, like they'll make those kind of movies when they when people realize they miss a lot of those rockers yeah um, so many of them are still around like the big one i keep thinking there's got to be like an ozzy osbourne like bio oh hell yeah Ooh, hell yeah. yeah i would love to see uh one about lemmy motorhead yeah, yeah. or even uh stevie ray vaughn i mean that would be an awesome Ooh, one too yeah that'd be good guns and roses yeah. that'd be a really yeah. good one yeah. oh yeah that'd be great so you oh, guys don't God, did you see the weird al movie Dude, that was the next no. thing on my list. That was the <laughs> okay. next thing. Okay, well, wait. Well, go for it. Yeah. Well, I was just going to say the exact same sentence. Did you guys see it? You obviously did. Yeah. It is the movie I was not expecting. As soon as we got yeah. into it, I was like, what? You know, you start to like think, what's going on? It's the movie you're not expecting, but the movie you should have been expecting <laughs> because it's Weird Al. <laughs> the movie we deserve <laughs> and i went into it like so confused too like i was like okay people are telling me this is not like uh, an actual biopic i'm like okay like all right let me see it and i start watching it and it starts off like really legit where i kind of just yeah. forgot I'm like oh i'm watching a, a biopic right and it's it's got the right you know like film grain and everything just to show you like this was uh whatever time period where he was growing up in the what, 60s i'm gonna say uh yeah late 60s early 70s yeah. something like that yeah and he's sitting there at the like dinner table with his parents and um <laughs> you know i'm like oh this is like the typical scene where they're gonna like not approve of what he's trying to do you know for a living and they're like so uh you know me me and your father have you know talked this over and we've decided um not to let you do anything that that you love and uh you know and i'm just thinking like oh man that's fucked up and then then i'm like oh shit he tricked me it's, yeah. it's not real this is like a spoof <laughs> so that's why i was laughing because it it like it, it just got you in there and then you realize like oh okay this is you know not not we're not in reality right now right but everything it, you see in there is typical of like one of these type of movies. Like the part that just it made me laugh so hard was, and like you know, I I don't think it's really like a spoiler. There's no way you could really spoil this movie, but um, just just putting that out there, like little spoiler alert for the ending. After it's <laughs> over and the credits start rolling, and then you see all like real life pictures of Weird Al, and I'm like, oh okay, so now they're doing like legit. Like here's the real guy. Here's what really happened. But then the pictures just start getting more and more ridiculous. I'm like, oh, you fuckers, you did it again. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, it was the movie was like a like a very, very friendly smack across the face being like, what did you expect? You know, the Michael Jackson thing. At first, I'm like, OK, where is this going? Uh, yeah, where uh, he's like, I'm going to do an original song. This is eat it. It's original. I'm like, wait, why are they saying it's original? Like, yeah, I don't really get the the, the humor of the joke. But then it paid off when <laughs> Michael Jackson comes out with Beat It later. Yeah. And then he's like, wait a minute. You mean that kid from the Jackson 5, that washed up has-been? <laughs> like the song isn't even uh, about food. The, the song's about like uh, getting into a fight or trying to avoid a fight or something, whatever. Yeah. And then oh, it just so gradually like almost turns into the UHF, like especially at the end, like with yeah. the drug cartel kind of stuff happening. Like, was, yeah, yeah. He's like shirtless, like Rambo and <laughs> like, running around with the machine. <laughs> 
Yeah, his big like hulking muscles and stuff. Like, oh, it was so fucking funny. Oh man. Uh, yeah, Daniel Radcliffe is great. He nailed yeah. that. He nailed yes, that. Yes, he did. Yeah. Man, man, I could talk about that movie for a lot longer, but we got to move on. <laughs> Were there any other uh, uh, movies that needed to be mentioned before we moved on? I just wanted you to kind of piggyback on my last pick, uh, Jeremy, because you were the one that kind of introduced it. And I don't know, James, if you've ever seen it, but and it might not be considered an autobiography, mm. but I could make the argument. Uh, Windy City Heat. <laughs> oh, my God. Have no, you ever I... seen that, James? No. It's that one is definitely on YouTube. Uh, it's not. Well, I see. It, it, I see the fine line you're walking, Randy, but it's a practical joke. The whole movie is all these people playing a practical joke on this guy who lives in Hollywood and just wants to be a star. So they pull this practical joke where they're making a movie. He landed the lead <laughs> role in this movie called Windy City Heat. I think you'd really appreciate it, James. You should check it yeah, out. Yeah, I think you would. Cool. But it also, it kind of bled into, they do a podcast now, so that... They did, and they don't is, do it anymore, but... Okay, well, yeah. I guess I guess that's kind of where I was going with the, the autobiography of how that kind of came to be. It's entertaining. It's it's funnier than hell. But it's one of those things where I can't possibly begin to fully explain the movie. It's something you just have to take a chance on and watch. Like, it's so different, so different, but fucking funny. It's all of Jimmy yeah. Kimmel's friends are the ones who do it. Well, oh, there's one that just to mention quickly, just because sure. I could hear in my head a thousand voices shouting like, oh, you got to mention American movie. But it's a uh, it's a documentary, though. It's I don't know if this fits into the category because anything it's fits. Actual. Oh, yeah. Oh, anything fits. Oh, OK. Yep. Yeah. Well, well, if you want to look at one that's not like, um, how do I say, like uh, dramatized, it's, it's just a documentary. It's like just the real thing. But American movie is is like in my top 10 favorite films ever. It's kind of like my filmmaking Bible because it's all about just a guy trying to make a movie. And um, it's hard to explain why it's so good, but it's it's just one amazing quote after another. And it's just constantly funny. Um, but yeah, so so American movie is definitely like up there. I'll I'll be watching that. I've never even heard of that. Oh, cool! Well, I'm happy to introduce it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> next time when you want like a just a straight up filmmaking documentary that's funny, a little bit like Spinal Tap, but it's real. It's it's all real. Uh, check it out. I'm in. <laughs> it's on the list. <laughs> cool. Very good. I I got a lot of movies to watch and rewatch now. It would seem. Oh, cool. Okay, we're going to uh, jump to a quick commercial break, but when we return, we're going to be talking with James about a movie-making nerd. So stick around. History is complicated. The story of human progress is long, messy, and riddled with controversies big and small. On Conflicted, we dive headfirst into history's most infamous events and contentious figures. We try and untangle the good from the bad, the facts from the fiction, and the monsters from the misunderstood. Was Genghis Khan a murderous butcher or a civic pioneer? Did the Allied powers go too far in firebombing the German city of Dresden at the twilight of World War II? And how did the Marquis de Sade acquire such a sinister reputation? And was any of it true? These are just a few of the tough questions we wrestle with and investigate on Conflicted. So if you love history or just enjoy a good story, please join me, your host, Zach Cornwell, for a fascinating new topic each and every month. 
Conflicted, a history podcast is available on Spotify, Apple, or wherever else you get your podcasts. I hope to see you soon. What was it like to be there for historical sports moments and unforgettable performances? To be behind the scenes? On PressBox Access, you'll hear from me, Todd Jones, and other sports writers about their experiences with the greatest athletes, coaches, and sports events of the past half century. We'll share some stories behind the stories, some big, some small, and some we've only told each other. Let us buy you around on PressBox Access. All right, we are back from commercial and once again joined by James Rolfe. James, thanks again for being here, man. Hope you're having a great time. Oh, sure. Yeah, thank you. And just want to uh, say kudos on the book. The book was fantastic. It was a great Mm -hmm. read. And uh, boy, you really open yourself up in that book. You really (laughs) tell quite a bit in that book. Uh, Very well-rounded read. I loved it. I think we both did. Yes, thank you. (laughs) But uh, of course, we want to uh, grill you on some of the stuff we read in the book, if that's all right. (laughs) Sure. Um, The first thing I've got is uh, in chapter one, you're talking about when you were a child, you know, a lot of the nightmares that you had and uh, figures you'd see in your room as a result of experiencing like bouts of uh, sleep paralysis. And Mm -hmm. you end that part of the chapter saying that you were left with one big question on your mind. How can I make other people see the same things I was seeing? And I know Mm -hmm. years later, you know, you had talked about the next stretching E.T. monster that eventually made it into the uh, AVGN movie. But were there any other characters or ideas that came from those dreams or sleep paralysis that ended up making it into uh, any of your other projects? Um, Any of the dreams that made it into other projects? Not yet. There's none that I can think of right now. And it's kind of a kind of disappointing to me that I don't have those dreams anymore in a strange way, because <laughs> it, it, it was such a, you know, it, it was it was just fuel for imagination and, and creativity. But I mean, back then, I was so young to, you know, it's hard to understand those things. But sometimes I'll think about that. I'm like, man, I wish I could still see that stuff, because it would be yeah. very uh, um, helpful for you know, content, horror movie <laughs> ideas and stuff like that. Sure. Uh, but I've talked to other people since too, who are like, oh yeah, I had that, that myself, you know, sleep paralysis and like just seeing weird shit in the, in the room move. Mm-hmm. Um, there's one, there's one part that's kind of funny where I didn't, I didn't write this in the book, but uh, it just came to mind. Uh, one time I had this poster of a uh, Michelangelo, uh, the live action uh, Ninja Turtle movie. Okay. And okay. It was like Michelangelo holding a pizza, and he's like on the poster. And I remember seeing that move uh, when I when I was in sleep paralysis. So you're on your bed and you can't move for like, oh, I mean, it feels like an eternity, but it's it's only like a few seconds, and you're laying there. And I saw Michelangelo come out of the poster, Holy but it wasn't shit. cool. It wasn't like like oh wow, cowabunga, dude! Like it wasn't <laughs> fun. No, I was like freaked out. Like oh no fuck this. (laughs) Yeah. He's coming out of the wall. Yeah. That'd be fucking horrifying. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just like, like, you know, you're trying to make yourself move and you can't, you're just like frozen. Hasn't happened to me since I was a kid, but uh, that's what I was going to ask because there are people that deal with that all their life. Mm -hmm. So I've never had it as an adult, you know, 
I think I might have briefly had it as an adult, like maybe in my 20s or something, but it was very uh, brief and very um, non-remarkable. Unremarkable is the word I'm looking for. <laughs> in the book, you'd mentioned, you know, you, your first real job uh, that you had uh, and that kind of a, a boss that was kind of, uh, we'll say, difficult to work with. Mm. And um, you were kind of talking about your experience through that and kind of the catalyst that made you leave that job was one particular event. And in the book, you, you mentioned it was kind of a story in of itself. I guess it had something to do with maybe he put you guys in like a questionable legal position or something like that. I was just curious if you'd be able to share that or if that, you know, you, you weren't able to. Yeah, I don't think I can, but uh, okay. it, it would totally be on him though, not me, <laughs> but still it's just like one of those things where uh, he was a shady boss. I'll just put it yeah. that way. He was a shady yeah. boss. He was looking to save money. He was looking to cheat the system, cut corners. Mm. The guy was nuts. He was yeah. Nuts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, sure that sounded that, like it. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> and then uh, throughout the book, you had also, you know, mentioned your your love of classic horror movies and uh you know, TV host Joe Bob Briggs and uh, Cinemassacre has put out uh, another series called, you know, Mon Monster Madness. And, you know, I've binge watched that multiple times. I love it. And uh, you actually had the opportunity to record. I think it was just one episode with Mr. Briggs. Um, is there any way you could kind of talk about that experience or uh, just kind of like what led up to that? Oh, like meeting uh, Joe Bob Briggs. Mm -hmm. Let's see. Well, Going back, because uh, these things happen kind of slowly sometimes, where uh, we had contact with him, I think um, I, I think we noticed like he followed me on Twitter and like we had a few exchanges via like social media. Uh, then eventually, um, his producer reached out to me on uh, the last drive-in. So I've spoken with a lot of his people who worked on uh, the last drive-in, okay. and this was when it was in development also. And I had some phone calls with them. We kind of just talked about like, you know, they were just interested in, in some promotion for the show. We've talked about having me on too. Um, but lots of things have happened. And then it was it was pre-COVID also. Mm. That kind of set every every schedule of everything I've ever had just behind after that. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, we we talked about it and then and uh we were like, hey, can we get Joe Bob over here? Can we get him uh down from New York and uh film something with him sometime? So uh we made it happen and uh he's he's been here a couple times and uh yeah he's always great he's just so much fun to talk to on and off camera uh mm. he's awesome i imagine the stories he have are just <laughs> just out of the out of this world <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> now you had also said in the book that uh how board james was one of your mm -hmm. favorite projects you've ever mm -hmm. ever worked on and uh, I'd have to say, I'd have to agree that, man, it's fucking awesome. Love that series. Had so many of those games. Um, and, uh, but I was just curious, is there ever a possibility that you'll revisit Board James? Because, I mean, you know, tabletop gaming has really seemed to come back around in the past 10 yeah. to 15 years. Is that something you could ever revisit or would think about revisiting? Yeah, it depends how you're thinking of it because if you're talking about tabletop gaming and stuff like yeah like doing board game reviews is totally like a thing that could be done but with board games i feel like it's more about a story it's more about the character mm -hmm. board games are in it as like um you know the thing that moves the plot forward but it's more about the character and i feel like if i'm going to do any more i want it to be like 
big and epic. I have thoughts about it. Like I actually have like an idea of like a prequel series, but the only way to do it would be to, to like stop everything else, like stop nerd, right. stop uh, anything that, you know, provides a consistent source of income and just dedicate to board James to make it like as awesome as it needs to be. Like I'm thinking like TV series, like, uh, you know, like a Breaking Bad-esque, like, series. Oh, shit. Really serious. Like, really gritty and just, like... Breaking you know. Bucket. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I, I don't see myself doing it anytime soon. I'll probably make an original film, uh, like a new film instead. But uh, I, I'm also happy with how the series wrapped up. Like, it's kind of sacred to me. Sure. Where the, the story, it has an ending. Mm -hmm. And it's sort of this <laughs> self-contained series where I don't have the luxury with, like... Well, like the nerd keeps on going. The nerd's going right. to just keep on going and going and going. But Board James, it's kind of like I, I was able to make that decision of like, okay, well, this is the end. This is the final chapter. And just leave it like that, you know. Right. Um, kind of like, you know, when Seinfeld stopped his show, it was like, well, I want to stop right now while it's on top and like, you know, leave it as is. So yeah, basically it's like I haven't shut the door on board James completely, but it's it's unlikely right now that I'll continue it. Because if sure. I do, I want to do it right. Understand. Yeah. Right, well, right as in like my way, in a very unpredictable, dark, serious, <laughs> serious but funny. Funny because it's so dark. <laughs> uh, that's one hell of a commercial for something we probably aren't gonna see for a long time. God I damn, know, that sounds I know. awesome. Yeah, but... the character is so unique because he's so like uh, he he's kind of just he just wants to play a game, but he's right. His way of playing a game is like so fucked up and is going to involve like torture and God knows what else. Uh, I was cracking up when I got to the chapter about you wrapping up the AVGN movie and the the, uh, the rap gift they give you that gave you the sign, Mister Bucket. I was like, that is awesome. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The cast and crew all signed this uh, Mister Bucket for me. Yeah, cool. And if any of our listeners don't get that reference, go watch Board James right now. <laughs> yeah, no shit. Speaking of the movie, um, there was a part where you said, you know, you had sent a letter to Steven Spielberg's people uh, mm -hmm. requesting the permission to be able to use the uh, likeness of E.T. from the cartridge in the game. Mm -hmm. And that you got a letter back like just days before shooting saying, uh, sorry, but... Uh, he doesn't want to be involved with the project, which then in turn made you, you know, have to tweak the way the name is, make your own alien. It was like something like it was like a one line, like Mr. Spielberg uh, uh, doesn't have the time or is not interested, something like that. Yeah. And how nervous you had to have been being so close to filming. But um, yeah. I mean, what you came up with worked fucking well. It was hilarious. I love to look at that alien, oh, yeah. the mock game you guys did. It was fucking funny. But um, yeah. One thing I'm curious about is because even when it shows the actual title screen of the Atari game, it's like there was a mustache on E.T. E mm. to kind of differentiate yeah, yeah. the original. So then how were you able to get away with at the end of the film doing the actual review of the game? Oh, well, same thing. It was all like mocked. Was but it really? It, yeah, yeah. It was all mocked up. Unless you see like the version. We, we put like a version on YouTube of as like a game review with the real footage. Oh, God. But if you look at the actual movie, it's like all changed. But yeah, it's like the the rights to that kind of stuff is so complicated because everything with this movie was went through with like a fine tooth comb, right? Like, to like make sure everything was proper and legal, and it was just it was more like a formality, like every, everything, like to get the rights to a a game for Atari, 
uh, first of all, was complicated because Atari went through so many different ownerships sure. over the years. They even changed ownership during the making of the film. Uh, <laughs> but then also uh, uh, any game that was based on a movie, like the the rights went back to the movie studio. And it was like, okay, we're only asking about an Atari game. Now we got to go to the movie studio. Oh, wait, now we have to ask Steven Spielberg. Like, this is getting ridiculous now. It's like, come <laughs> yeah. on. We're not going to get in touch with Steven Spielberg. I mean, we tried, but uh, it's, it's just not, it's not easy. Yeah. He's a little bit of a busy guy. So <laughs> no shit, especially with the movie we were just talking about a little bit ago. I mean, he's been, he's a busy guy even to this day. That's well, you have me fooled. I mean, at the very end of the film, that really looked like you were playing the game. Like it looked like the real deal. You talk about how all through the movie, you know, it was, it was turning into a nightmare. That it was much more than you anticipated. Uh, and that's, it was it was a nightmare for you, but that you're able to now look back on the experience and everything you learned uh, very fondly. And you also at another point in the book say, you know, you comment on how your passion for something over the years uh, changes as you grow. You know, you're still in love with it, but in a different way or on a different level. Do you ever see yourself with any project, not just AVGM, but any project dedicating the same amount of work and uh, stress that you experience making that film? Oh, the nerd movie? Oh, yeah. I, I, no way. It's never going to happen like that again. Like I, I will <laughs> I will see to it uh, all the things I learned from that movie that I'm not going to go through that hell again. <laughs> um, yeah. So like the second movie is going to be basically I'm, I'm, I have to get it all under control where none of that shit's going to happen again. It's a much smaller type of movie. Like everything else I've thought of is is like, okay, the nerd movie is just insane. Like there's so much <laughs> shit going on in it. It was just like a hard movie to make. Like everybody we took that script to was like, you're insane for trying to make this. <laughs> hey, go big or go home, right? <laughs> yeah, and that's what it is. It's like, okay, look, it needs to be crazy. This needs to be the independent blockbuster film. Like right. just go completely nuts with it. Uh, that was the whole idea and we did it. Damn well too. What a great film. Yeah. And it was specifically the nightmare part was really like when we were filming in LA. But once we filmed uh, on the East Coast after that movie, after like the main shoot was done, uh, all like the pickup shots and everything else, like especially when we did the monster scenes, we just filmed it in like a warehouse on the East Coast. And it was so much fun when we did that, which now when we filmed those scenes, it was about like 10 years ago now. And that was like where it felt like classic Cinemassacre again to me. Right. So the last leg of shooting was like more what I was comfortable with. Uh, small crew, just not a lot of bullshit going on. It was just fun. And, and it was just friends all coming together and just having a good time. Uh, so that was great. And we met a lot of new people. Like we met so many friends on that set. You know, it was, oh, I bet. It was awesome. Yeah. So a lot of the the people from LA, you know, we, I still talk to them from time to time. And we're like, man, like, I can't wait till we do something else again. So, yeah. You're like, we just got to tone it down. <laughs> yeah, I'm just, I'm not going to the West Coast for this, this one. <laughs> yeah. Throughout the book, you mentioned some of the other various films you've worked on throughout the years. And uh, some of them being a, a classic horror fan myself just sound right up my alley, like the uh, Kung Fu werewolves from outer space and the uh, the clerks meet the, the Night of the Living Dead. Is there any place, and maybe I missed this, uh, that we can see those? Are, are they on YouTube? I didn't think I saw them on oh, Cinemaster.com. Um, 
uh you're talking about uh the dead or the better the one that's yes the, yeah, yeah 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 that yeah that that's definitely online somewhere uh, okay i think it was on the um the other cinemasker channel like the second youtube one okay i think or it could be on the main ch- channel I, f- I forget okay but, uh, I, I must have missed those but yeah some of those you're talking about in the book i'm just like shit i want to watch that now. oh cool thanks yeah yeah check out the dead or the better it was from uh 2005 and I think Jeremy found your uh, your Snicks films, which yeah. are on there as well. Yeah, there's oh, like six okay. of them yeah. on there, I believe. <laughs> One thing I just wanted to comment on, because uh, you weren't doing this, at least to my knowledge, last time we spoke, which I think was, what, 2018 or 19 uh, on the show here, but is Rex Viper. Oh, wow. oh yeah, yeah. How uh, just entertaining those videos are to watch, how great you guys fucking sound. Your content's amazing. And one thing I was going to ask you, and it's awesome now that you're on screen, because what the question I had for you was about that very guitar over your left shoulder, that Gibson yeah. SG uh, with mm-hmm. the lightning bolts on the neck. It always grabs my attention. Yeah, look at that badass thing. So was that guitar, did you custom make that? Was that something you just found hanging on the hook? Can you tell us a little bit about that guitar? Uh, no, it was a, a purchase, actually. I, I bought it. Um, it was used, and the person who uh, also... Uh, uh, sold to me uh was a fan also oh really yeah yeah that's sweet how often uh do you get to play music um more often than you'd think probably because uh, i'm always learning i'm always practicing and just um you know always uh reaching outside my comfort zone try something a little more challenging each time right. learn a little bit more music theory so i i i mess around a lot on my own time and uh I always have, but I've done a lot more of it the past few years. So when I started doing the uh, the first, when I first released the Rex Viper stuff, I, I was like relatively new to a lot of the things I was doing. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm trying to think, wait, where am I going with this? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I've been yeah. there, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, it, it seemed like it was something I did on my own time. Like it was always like, hey, well, if you got this fun thing you really enjoy, but you do it in secret. Like, why has it got to be secret? Why not put some of it yeah. out there? I, I was like, you know, people don't know that I have any interest in playing instruments. Like, I've played drums. I play guitar. And I just mess around with this and that. And uh, I kind of settled on guitar as my instrument of choice, like in recent years. And, uh, you know, I was eventually like thinking like, hey, why not? Because I'm having so much fun with it. Why not uh, make it public and put out some some material? Sure. Um, and I'm like, well, what are people going to think? Is it like, I, I thought it was kind of cool because it's kind of like a uh, a secret hobby, um, right? It's like, hey, look, look at this now. Like, I can I can do this, but I really wanted to like share uh, the celebration of uh, music, movies, and video games like all at the same time. So we make songs that are like songs that are covers of movie themes and video game themes put together. Mm-hmm. it's all just like a big nostalgia trip because that's what we do anyway like all these videos that i do it's always about some kind of nostalgia and i kind of wanted to express that through music as well it's good job kind of yeah <laughs> success <laughs> you did a damn good <laughs> job you all did there's so much fun to watch and i, w- I would love to uh, have an actual album someday if there if there if that's ever in the works Oh, it is actually. Uh, in fact, I was just working on it a little today. Uh, nice. Yeah, yeah. It's been a yeah. I mean, very slow. That's the way things go. You know. Yeah. Very slow uh, process. But uh, 
we are recording like just a, a big ass album of covers and uh they all kind of have like a training theme like a, tr a montage workout kind of feel to it um, oh man yeah so and, and it's going to sound a lot better than the music videos too because since then we've upgraded uh equipment and everything and i've already recorded uh a bunch of guitar tracks for it and uh it sounds great oh it's exciting the, the drums are the biggest the, the biggest thing making it sound uh big because we're recording the drums at a studio this time and uh once you get that you have that to start with and it's like like man it sounds like the drums are in the room sure you know? that's incredible though especially how you guys do that being all different uh spots around the globe you know i can't imagine yeah, doing it like uh, that and doing the album is a lot easier than trying to get together and play because everybody can just do it on their own time sure um we have a lot of meetings we talk about it you know we're always talking about ideas and uh sending tracks to each other to work off of uh, but you know it's it's a slow process but we're we're working on it and we intend to play more shows after the album comes out too <sighs> i have music videos made but the mu the music videos can't come out because the songs aren't done we kind of did it backwards <laughs> the visual is done and we have like the demo track on it but it's it's like we need to finish it up and then right. you know we plan to just give it to you all at once hopefully like so nice. i'm thinking like this summer later this year i don't know i'm kind of done making up guesses but i think it's <laughs> definitely this year <laughs> in a mob of angry now, fans <laughs> yeah yeah i can see it now when it comes out i'm going to be like listening to it sprinting full blast on the treadmill at the gym just getting into it yeah that's what it's for it's gonna be great <laughs> oh i'm oh i'm stoked yeah. stoked i'm gonna be keeping an eye out for that yeah James, so I know you spent years kind of compiling and writing and working on the book. Um, I actually bought the uh, the Audible audiobook version of it. That's how I was reading it, quote unquote. But I was just curious, was the process any different to record an audiobook of, of the book for you than kind of your other films and stuff, other projects you've worked on? It's very similar because it, it always is kind of the same thing where I write a script and then I voice it. Okay. Um, so it felt the same way. It was like, okay, well, here's the book. Now all I got to do is voice it. And other than just taking a, a long time to read, it wasn't that hard. Uh, and then once it was recorded, there wasn't much left for me to do for the audio book. So that part was uh, pretty simple. Also, it was more simple, the idea that uh, it was just like, it's words. It's not like words, but with visuals to go with every word. Because when you're gotcha. making like a, a, a game review or something, it's like, okay, now every word, you're going to have to find an image to fit this word because gotcha. you're watching it as a video. <laughs> the book was like, oh, thank God. I, I don't have to like find something for every. That's especially like the hardest part too. When like movie reviews, uh, it's like uh, you got to find a clip of all the parts you're talking about or some image to fit what it is you're saying. Sure. And it has to keep up for the duration of the video. There, there can't really be a part where, I mean, if there's nothing, if you have nothing to show, you just cut back to me just, just sitting here talking. But, <laughs> you know, that that's how it goes. So in, in that way, the book was easier because I'm primarily like a writer. Like I, I write and then right. everything else happens after. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely a long process writing the book. I mean, like, you know, it took me 20 years, but I had to kind of live it first. So, yeah, sure. Uh, and it, 
and it is very well written. I mean, mm-hmm. some of the, the happenstance and stuff that you have in your book, it's, ha- it's just <laughs> some oh, of those. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy, man. I oh, want to get a physical copy for the shelf because I did the same thing uh, Randy did, uh, used Audible, but the book itself has a ton of pictures and illustrations in there that you're robbed of when you do the audio book. So, yeah, yeah, you're right. That's something I'm going to have to definitely get on the shelf over here. You know, you've mentioned just now how long you've been working on that film or that book, excuse me, over 20 years, so far back that you uh, even have drafts on floppy disks. So, yeah, that's right. <laughs> I'm curious then what it is uh, that recently made you say now's the time. Why now? Why not five years ago? Why not five years from now? What was it about now? It's a good question. Um, I think it was just uh, <clears throat> the more I waited, the more stories there were to add to it. In college it was the first time where I thought about like, oh, like th- these experiences I just had would be good to put down in a book. And then... I got busy with graduating college then I got busy with my job, busy doing uh, web videos and then busy making the, the AV Gen movie and busy raising children. And then finally in like 2018, I was like, you know what? Full steam ahead. Let's finish this book. Now's a good time. Especially since I think the big catalyst with finishing it was um, the when my second daughter was born because once that happened, we, we know that that's, we're only having two. Right. So now that both of them have been born and uh, they both can make it into the book, I feel like now it's like, okay, I can write this down now where I feel like there's, even though there's plenty life left to live, it's still like, sure. this is a good spot to maybe put it all down. And then maybe in another 20 years, I'll do another. Yeah. It was a long, long process. And there was lots of things that uh, helped me write it too, because uh, there was like a lot of recordings, like exhibit A was my mom's writing. She had a journal when I was a baby. Mm -hmm. Uh, Exhibit B was uh, the doctor's writings. And then of course, exhibit C was like all the video recordings. So there's all these home videos and things like that. Exhibit D, all those floppy disks. Uh, There's like certain journal entries I would write or just like... uh, if I have a bad day in high school, I come down, you know, I was being bullied or whatever. I'd write these angry little journal entries, you know, and then uh, class essays also, like sometimes there would be a, like one time a teacher actually had an assignment to write an auto bio. And this, this would have been like, I, I was only like 16 or 17 at this time. I never really wrote anything about myself, but I just poured it all out and talked about, you know, wanting to make films and all that kind of stuff. And the teacher loved it. Like I, I'll never forget her response. Like she was just like, this is great. You know, this is amazing. And it, that encouraged me a lot. So I never thought about writing anything about myself until then. And then also like all the writings and things I had in college. So all that stuff out there was like good recordings uh, to, to keep for memory. It was good for taking all these sources and just adapting it into making like a full uh chronology that makes sense as far you know you know time placement you know waiting for your second daughter to be born i uh, it makes a lot of sense yeah yeah and you don't really know in advance how all those things are gonna go but it it seemed like a good time then sure. and then and then the last delay was just publishing it it was like okay well now it's done but uh how do we publish it what do we do what's mm-hmm. the best way to go about this because i'm used to posting videos you know I do it all the time, but 
publishing a book was something I never did before. Right. Um, so then, and then COVID happened and then it just delayed everything more. And right. then, you know, more stuff happened. And I was like, well, you know what? I should probably write about that and Rex Viper and uh, add, add a couple chapters at the end. And then, uh, and then finally last year, we, uh, we finally published it. Yeah. Um, you know, you mentioned your daughters and uh, I've got two kids of my own um, and they're starting oh. to get to the ages of, you know, I'm, sharing stuff with my child from my childhood with them. I actually just kicked my son's ass at Goldeneye last weekend. Um, <laughs> but I was curious, you know, with your daughters, has there been anything that you've been really excited to like share the, share with them as far as like movies, video games, toys, anything from your childhood that you've been able to kind of share that with? Oh yeah. Like all, all the time, lots of, lots of stuff. I'm trying to think of what example, but I mean, the video games are big. I mean, like mm -hmm. it, it goes to show, I mean, Everybody loves video games. It seems it's like it's it's a pretty easy win usually. Um, but but you know they're really big on like you know all this, a lot of the same stuff like the Mario games and all that. Recently, me and my youngest daughter have been playing Final Fantasy three on Super Nintendo. Oh, nice. Wow. Um, I'm at the very end. I'm having so much trouble beating. <laughs> I, I can't fucking do it. But fucking she's clowns. so into it. Where it she keeps it being like, use the imp spell, use imp. You know, <laughs> she's yeah. helping she's you talking through it. Like, yeah, like I'm trying to concentrate. I'm trying to like pick, you know, which attack I'm going to use and everything. And she's like <laughs> telling me like what to do and like what spell to use and everything. And uh, yeah, it's funny. <laughs> she's That's into awesome. It. Oh, whenever you beat the battle, uh, you know, the characters all do that like victory. Thing. Yeah. He runs up to the TV and does that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That sounds like my daughter. That's adorable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I want to encourage everyone listening to uh, head over to Amazon or on Kindle or wherever you get your audiobooks. Check out A Movie Making Nerd, the autobiography by James Rolfe. You will not regret it. It was a great read. And James, just thank you so much for taking time to be here, man. It's always a pleasure having you on the show. Hope you had a good time. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Randy, what do we have on the website, sir? Go to candairpodcast.com. Check out past episodes, uh, our uh, celebrities we've had on, our special guests. And uh, if you're interested in having your work featured on our show, send us a message on our contact page. And you can once again find us on Twitter at CandarePod and on Instagram at Canned underscore Air and uh, at CandarePodcast.com. Just like Randy was saying, we have a merch page and we have a Patreon page where for a little bit of your money, you can support us and get something in return. And uh, evergreenpodcast.com, the network that we're once again so proud to be a part of. They treat us damn great. We're on there with a lot of other good shows. So be sure to check them out. Uh, but of course, after you've checked us out, I think that's going to do it for this week. So until next time, I am Jeremy Colley. I'm Randy Hardenbrook. And yeah, James Rolfe. Thanks so much for listening and be excellent to each other. How a fucking piece of dog shit. They rip you off and don't care one bit. But this nerdy doesn't forget it. Why can't a turtle swim? Why can't I land the plane? They got a quick buck for this shitload of fuck. The characters' names are wrong. Why's the password so long? Why don't the web... Angriest gamer you've ever heard. 
sucks so bad he makes up his own words. He's the angriest, most pissed off gaming nerd. He's the angry Atari Amiga, CDI, ColecoVision, and Television, Sega, Neo Geo, TurboGrafx, GT, and Odyssey, Geo, Commodore, Nintendo, nerd. He's the angry video game nerd. Oh, a dog! Hi, puppy! Nice puppy! Oh, no! Don't run! It'll only make things worse! What? Remember, you never want to approach a stray dog. Especially one that's foaming at the mouth. Get away from the animal as quickly as you can and tell a grown-up. And knowing is half the battle. G.I. Joe! This has been a Canned Air production. You've got questions, we've got answers. Business leadership, ownership, and sales can be challenging. Tune into the Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast to learn from the world's experts. Join me, your host, Diane Helbig, as I chat with people who have expertise in various areas of business. You'll enjoy the lively conversations that are focused on providing you with the ideas, tips, and suggestions you need to realize greater success. Get what you need for your business, when you need it, from the people who have the answers. Accelerate Your Business Growth is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network and is available on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.